I think it was Uncle Ben from Spider-Man who said, with great data comes great responsibility or something like that. And that's never been more true today. We're collecting more healthcare data than ever before. The potential to use this data effectively for better treatment plans, more efficient workflows, massive cost reductions or positive patient outcomes is exciting, transformational and real. But how good is the quality of data that we're collecting in the first place? Can we even use it as we imagine? With all the amazing potential and upside that exists, the age-old adage is truer than ever, rubbish in and rubbish out. My guest today knows that challenge all too well. It's Brian Mitchell from 3M, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about 3M's role in healthcare, hospital workflows, adoption of technology in healthcare, all about the datas and much, much more. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Brian Mitchell. He's the business manager, ANZ Region, 3M Health Information System Division, where he leads the business supporting healthcare technology and workflow operational services transformation. He's had over 24 years of healthcare industry experience and history of leading businesses in the healthcare and health information technology industries. His background includes strategic planning, international business operations, business development, market strategy, and customer relation management. He's a certified Lean Six Sigma Black Belt and Scrum Product Owner Scrum Master, and he's a graduate of Emory University, USA. Hey, Brian, how are you going? Good morning. Sitting in front of me in person, it's nice to be in an in real life recording for the first time in a while. So, that is great. Thanks for making the time. Thank you. We're going to cover a fair bit of ground and get to know a little bit more about 3M and healthcare and everything that you do, but I thought perhaps start with introducing yourself, Brian. Tell us a bit more about you. Sure. So you did a really good synopsis of me, so I won't go into too much more details, but I have a pretty good uh, amount of healthcare industry experience dealing a lot with either structuring the framework for the operations of a clinical care setting and using technology within it, or redesigning that workflow so that technology can optimize the workflow that's taking place within that organization. A lot of that experience has taken place in other international markets as well as in the U.S. And we're bringing it here because of the technology that is being implemented within the ANZ region, as well as with the transformation of the healthcare delivery system overall utilizing technology. Excellent. We'll get into that in a bit more detail. It'd be good to get from your perspective as well. For those that aren't aware, tell us how 3M is involved in healthcare. It's a name that many would know generally outside of healthcare as well. 3M is a household name for post-it notes and scotch tape and air filters, you name it. Healthcare is one of the largest businesses of 3M, actually. And if you work in the healthcare delivery setting, you're familiar with everything from Littman stethoscopes to diagnostic equipment to sterilization to pharmaceutical application devices, etc. All of which 3M manufactures in different uh, care settings within healthcare. So a lot of durable goods. And then we have healthcare technology which has been a part of 3M for a long time. A lot of times it doesn't get the same recognition as in EMR because the EMRs are typically the front end user application for the clinicians and therefore have a lot of the jazz that you hear in the media. I guess if you could talk about healthcare technology as being jazz. (laughs) Uh, We definitely talk about it as jazz here on the show, that's for sure. Yes, (laughs) but 3M's history in healthcare 
technology goes back to the inception of governments using data in order to classify diseases and associate that with budgets in order to pay for health care for their populations. Mm-hmm. It started with a PhD project in Yale in the 1960s. 3M took the first product out of that uh, PhD dissertation from a company that was formed by those founders. It was 3M at the time. 3M acquired that intellectual property and the minds behind it. And since then, we're now 35 plus years later, and we deal with technology implementation around classification and coding of diseases, applying that to looking at populations that are from every range from being the healthiest to the most critically ill, looking at the costs on average to treat those patients, both in the short term in an episode, as well as for the entire time that they are alive, and then apply that to the funding that government entities have in order to pay for those populations in social environments or for private payer entities for those that are reimbursing based upon insurance that's purchased through employers, et cetera. And so that's the core of how 3M's technology business came to play, but it was all around how do you consult to understand that problem as a whole, and then how do you utilize technology in order to create an infrastructure around managing that data. And so it started back when computers were disk and tape driven, in big rooms and mainframes. And it was a means for that data to be captured and utilized at that particular point in time, but not aggregated over time and utilized at at scale like it is today because of the way technology has evolved. And so that's where we're headed. In terms of making that happen and the people behind it, so if you've got obviously large organization, multinational, I imagine you've got different disciplines developers, software, hardware, health informaticians. What does that look like for healthcare? You did a good job of naming a lot of those roles. Software developers, natural language process engineers, artificial intelligence uh, algorithms creators, things that are most common today. But underneath the hood and the guts that we were referencing back before, we have clinical and healthcare economists. We have medical informaticists. In addition to your software engineers and your programmers that write the technology, we have nurses, we have physicians, we have all roles of ancillary care within our organizations that are also looking at workflow design, both with our customers as well as in the application of our technology being used by our customers. We're talking around AI and workflow just then. Tell us a bit more about that. The use of artificial intelligence within the workflow and process optimization in healthcare and how you're involved in that. The fundamental concept to look at when we talk about AI, at least from my layman's terms of explaining it, is the practical application of AI. So AI is a very big buzzword and it can apply to whatever someone wants to be hot that particular day. But at the end game, it's how is AI used to help make a human process either better or to replace it or to create a new process that is not best suited for humans to take on. Within healthcare, AI being practically applied, you have to look at the structure of healthcare's operations over time. The core is to treat a patient that is not well so that they end up in a better state than when they presented to that healthcare entity. And so the clinicians are trained in order to do that. And that's what they have focused the majority of their time to do. Anything else involved with that patient's journey has been supporting the clinician or the clinicians to achieve that for the patient. You look at it, it started with pen and paper. It was capturing notes of what they did, what they saw, how the patient was, 
in the current state. Then when they visited again, how they improved or they didn't improve as a result of what the treatment that was prescribed was. Pen and paper, scribes, background, no computers. Processes were created around those that then involved the handoff of that information from one group to another, all still related to the patient's journey and all within that respective setting wherever care was given at that point in time. You flash forward now to where we have technology that's very sophisticated within healthcare or we have the ability to use it, but we still have a lot of the infrastructure that is still in the same construct as it was back during the days when everything was pen and paper. So the end goal is still the same, to ensure that the clinicians can provide the best care to the patient on their journey and do it in the most efficient and now most cost-effective ways in order to accomplish that. And then step back even further with technology, look at that on a broader scale and say, well, how can we look at the data set across the entire population and aggregate it and compare it relative to the patient population that's being treated within this clinic or within the state or what have you, and then ensure that the care is better and more optimized because of how we're seeing impacts in care standards on a broader scale. So in order to do that, AI is great, but you can't use it by itself and expect it to be a panacea. So with any technology, it's the intersection of that combined with the people in the process. And in healthcare, that's where I think people have a tendency to say the adoption of sophisticated technology outside of the diagnostic and treatment realm of the patient's journey has been slow to become successful. And so here in Australia, EMR adoption is utilized by large entities, but it's not 100% penetrated yet. There are a lot of hybrid organizations that still use a lot of paper, et cetera. And it goes back to the process and the people structure. And then the issue that you want to look at is how do you organize those people that are there and those processes that have been built over time to be most prepared to utilize this sophisticated technology and have it be complementary to the diagnostic and procedural technology that's already used to treat the patients in that journey today. Yeah. And so that's really the whole concept of the opportunity that we have to address so that AI can truly be utilized. And so you mentioned a good point too, in that particularly here in Australia, there is more adoption within a hospital setting of EMRs. However, there are still many that are either hybrid or not adopting. So comparing to other parts of the world, then putting Australia to, I guess, the comparing technical advancement to other parts of the world, where are we at and what can we learn from? Yeah, Australia is a very modern healthcare delivery infrastructure, so please don't take my comment as that not being the case. It's on par with all of the other modern countries uh, around the world with regards to it. EMR adoption has its fragmented levels of adoption in every country, depending upon you look at the healthcare delivery system and how it's constructed. Part of that lends itself to whether or not EMRs are fully adopted. There are barriers to entry regardless of your profile of a healthcare entity. And so it's what are those barriers to entry or to adoption here within Australia that you look at. And a lot of that has to do with the sheer technological infrastructure that's required to operate an EMR within a healthcare delivery system environment today. And the barrier to entry to that is the infrastructure cost. So the physical technical infrastructure and then the resources to manage that ongoing within any provider setting can be very high for a lot of entities to be able to undertake on their own mm-hmm. today. And so I'm thinking back to when we we're talking earlier about all of the 
supporting services around the delivery of healthcare and the utilizing of technology to improve upon that. One thing that we spoke about recently at the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit was with a different cohort of speakers. It was in the GP in the primary space, where very much the call from Australian GPs is we want the technology industry to be supporting the workflow of clinicians and not dictating the way that healthcare is delivered using the tech. And then it was discussed how in two different parts, in primary and tertiary, it's kind of different perspectives things. So from your side of things, am I understanding correctly that the technology should be dictating the workflow as opposed to the other way around in a healthcare setting? No, I don't think that technology should be dictating the workflow. I think the way that technology has been built up into a certain point, there were limits on its flexibility to adapt to existing workflows. Mm. I think that that is decreasing with the evolution of technology and the advancements, especially moving to cloud, especially moving to mobile handheld devices, uh, et cetera. Mm. Up until that point, there's only a certain amount of an existing workflow that could be preserved with the construct of the technological infrastructure that was allowed to be having code written against it. Mm. Got it. Yeah. And so thinking about then in a hospital setting, if you're designing a system that's to be streamlined and utilized across multiple disciplines and types of workers. And obviously in a hospital setting, it's complex workflows and a number of different players involved. You've got admin staff, you've got coders, you've got clinicians, different people want different things from a behemoth of a system. How do you go about building something that makes sense for those individuals to utilize and get either the best in terms of inputs and then what they need out of it, as well as at the same time building something that's, I guess, comparable in other locations and not too bespoke? That's a big question. (laughs) And there are a lot of elements to it, but I'll try to answer it as simply as I can. It starts with the end in mind. And the key part of that is sitting down with the senior leaders of that organization and asking the question of what is your strategic direction and what is your goal as an organization? Because they will have that. They will want to increase throughput by a certain period of time. They want to decrease the amount of time that a patient has to stay in the hospital for a particular condition. Those are just broad examples. You have that conversation of what is their strategic goal and you start with, okay, how can our technology and our workflow redesign a system in achieving that goal or some substantial portion of that? Then you step back and you look at the current state of their organization. How are they aligned? How does it operate? How do they get a patient from the front door to the time that the patient's able to leave happily? What does it look like? Who all is involved? How many touches are they? When they use it, what do they use it for? So then that's the next step is looking at their current state workflow and visualizing all of it. And then the last part is having discussions around their communication pathways because they don't always align with the way that they have created their workflow to achieve a certain departmental task or function or to interact with the clinicians. And so you look at their communication pathways and what can be improved with regards to it. Because at the end of the day, whether you introduce AI, whether you introduce a new software application or what have you for a specific purpose that's aligned with a strategic goal, there are still individuals that are involved in ensuring that that technology is adopted, that it's utilized, and that the benefit is gained from that. And in order for that to truly be successful, 
they have to be able to communicate effectively across their different stakeholders mm -hmm. in order to accomplish that. And so the communication channels are an important thing to analyze as well and to align. When you say communication channels, is that, so that's the sending of data or the literally emails across departments or engaging with patients. What does that look like in a tangible sense? Yeah, I mean, it's all of those. If you go back to the analogy of a physician treating a patient, mm -hmm. which is the whole core concept of any healthcare entity, right? Treating a sick patient to help them become better. The doctor and the clinical staff are there to do that for that patient. There are all these other staff that have to accomplish parallel workflows that are dependent upon what occurs during that patient treatment journey or can have an impact on it, but they may not ever directly interact with the clinicians that are treating the patients, mm -hmm. or they may not do it at the time that the clinician is treating the patient, yeah. or if they do, it may be very disruptive and therefore it's not very beneficial. All of those are different examples of communication pathways that need to be taken into account. Got it. Thinking about 3M and the role that you play within a hospital setting and the technology provide, I imagine, and you've suggested before, that having good relationships with the EMRs and the vendors is super important to your success and the integration with that. What does that look like from your side in terms of, is it building with the EMRs or engaging with or responding to? What does that engagement look like? So we do all of those and we have interacted and we work with pretty much every major EMR vendor globally mm -hmm. with regards to our solutions. The solutions that we offer are complementary to the EMRs. So the value that we are jointly providing to a mutual customer is heightened by the relationship being successful. And truly, when you sit down at the table to look at a technological framework for an organization, the customer who is ultimately you're trying to drive value for is the one that's going to benefit. And the two organizations together should be looking at how do you make sure that they get the most value out of everything that they choose to purchase from your organizations. And so we've been successful at, at doing that. And we take pride in having strong relationships with the HR vendors in order to accomplish that. So data exchanges and so forth. Yeah. Are there any particular strong themes or emerging trends that are coming from those conversations that are general or a meta sense that you're seeing the progression across the board? Everything being cloud-based, I mean, everything moving to the cloud. And so that's basically going back to the topic we talked about earlier about the barriers to entry because of the cost for technological infrastructure. So moving everything to the cloud helps to reduce that for customers while still maintaining the value proposition. And then for the technology providers, it's also beneficial to us as well and mm. enables us to be more efficient in servicing our customers with updates to our platforms, with support, et cetera, yep. by having things in the cloud as well. So that's one. Also putting more technology right in the middle of the care setting at the time that care is happening in order to help inform decisions at the point of care, in order to help look at results in real time. A lot of this was retrospective when technology was first introduced across the board, administrative or clinical. And so a patient would have to be treated. The clinician would be using their clinical judgment, which is sound and is based on principles. They would diagnose the patient, prescribe a course of treatment. That data would be captured. The patient would be discharged. That data associated with that episode of care could then be utilized but it's all retrospective. And so everything has to be aggregated and looked at after the fact. So 
you couldn't impact that particular patient's treatment plan during the time that they were being treated because you didn't have all the data available to you that could say, well, your treatment plan is standard, but it could be this much more effective if you took this into account. Yeah. Or we've noticed in the patient population for this entity of what you're describing that this particular indicator is something you might want to look at that we haven't seen that you have documented that you've done so. Have you done so? If so, please say that. If you haven't, you might want to take a look at this. So that's all moving everything from retrospective to concurrent. And that's the benefit of technology today. You can do that and you can preserve an existing clinical workflow as long as you're really good at transformation with change management with people. Yes. The people element is a big one that comes up often and we could have a whole different conversation around the people side of things. I was just thinking how it is a good thing though that we've certainly transitioned from the car analogy, the rear view mirror to the dashboard perspective and now we've got a bit of both. So that is good. Just thinking around the data though, in order to be able to have that real-time view of taking the analogy of the dashboard and even the retrospective view as well to the point that I raised at the start of the show, you know, the outputs or the insights that can be provided from data is only as good as really the inputs that are provided in the first place and like anything, if you've not got good data in the first place, then you can't really glean anything from it afterwards. Is this something that you come across often within a healthcare setting generally in what you do? Yes. Yes, a lot. Historically, it's a product of the way that technology was able to handle data and how data was able to be used without human intervention. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, data had to be structured and had to be extremely structured to the point that it's limiting in what it can be used for outside of the original purpose that that construct was formed, unless there are humans that took that data and manually analyzed it and compiled it. You flash forward to where we are today and you look at AI, AI is still built under the concept of all of those humans who manually analyzed data previously with those algorithms of intellect being programmed into computer systems today. And then the technology associated with that has the ability to learn on top of it. So that's where the beauty of you can still construct the technology applications for a specific purpose, but the flexibility of that data to be used more broadly is aided by technology today. And so therefore, the use of structured and unstructured data harmonized together, well, then you're really truly getting at the next evolution of of data usage. And I guess that leads on then to looking forward then and to start to close out the conversation. That's where we've progressed to already. Where does it go from here? What's the next level of innovation and iterations and evolutions that we bring with healthcare information? I would say it's limitless. And I would draw a quick analogy back to your kitchen and your home. The technology is there for you to know what level of milk you have within your refrigerator. And it's also there to where you can place an order for more milk and have it be delivered. So the technology capability is there. It's whether or not the end user is comfortable adopting it, right? And to what varying degree they're comfortable to adopt it. I think you can take that analogy and you can apply it to healthcare. The technology is there. It can be utilized as fully or as in specific pieces as the organization is comfortable in doing that today and tomorrow. And technology providers need to be comfortable adapting their deployment methodologies to fit uh, those strategic plans of those organizations for today and tomorrow. So where it's heading, I would say as much technology that can be used for information gathering, sharing at the point of care 
is where it's headed. And I'm speaking about those that are non-clinical technology applications because the clinical ones are, are there already. But the clinical ones are capturing data, but not necessarily aggregating it, comparing it to standards and benchmarks on the back end and representing that information on scale with analysis for a clinician to act on in real time. That's where technology is heading. And it's not there yet because it still relies on the people in the process being aligned in order for it to be fully adopted. But that's where it's heading. And AI is a key component of that. From the organization's perspective, for organizations, institutions, the people to adopt, like to be, you know, to go back to the kitchen analogy, as the technology industry, is there something we can be doing to help people be more accepting of the fridge, knowing how much milk they have in the fridge, for example, but from in the hospital setting and with the organization's perspective? People always look to people who have tried it and what, what has been their experience. So I know that's a very simple answer, but it's very true. Those that are the early adopters are the ones that are willing to try it. And as long as you are trying it with someone or some technology that you trust, it will be to your benefit more times than not in order to try it. And then others will see it and then you'll have the fast followers and then you'll have those who need to see more people use it before they feel comfortable. And then okay, all right, well, that, that could work. And then you'll have ones on the other end of the spectrum that it will have to be forced upon them in order for them to actually use it. And you may not ever have them fully use the technology, or you may, depending upon the industry that you're talking about. So I, I think that, that that is no different in healthcare than it is with a consumer looking at their kitchen. <laughs> I think having the focus on the quality of the product and the outcomes in mind and delivering on those promises that are set is sound advice. And so lastly, then for 3M, what can we look forward to from an organization perspective over the coming months and years? Uh, I think you'll see a lot more visibility of our healthcare presence from value to our customers being articulated overall, um, raising that level of awareness of what our capabilities are and the fact that we have been doing it for decades uh, and now we're leveraging more sophisticated technology to do it even more broadly and even, even better for our customers. So that's something you can expect as well as we have a real focused effort on helping our customers truly realize the value that they have within their organization currently by just adjusting a few fundamental things when it comes to the way that their teams interact and the way that they're able to communicate and the way that they perform some core job functions that support the clinical setting. And they'll get tremendous value out of what they have and a few more pieces of technology and some redesign later and Perfect. Well, look, Brian, thank you so much. I'm going to put some details for 3M and some of the resources we talked about in the show notes of this episode, and people can keep an eye on what's happening with 3M and continue to see things progress. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. <laughs>